Life Church, hey, this is Aaron Cole, the senior pastor here. Sorry I cannot be with you this weekend. I'm actually in Springfield, Missouri at my alma mater, uh, Central Bible College, receiving an award for Young Alumnus of the Year. And uh, so uh, I've been there speaking this weekend and been there with uh, family and friends. And uh, i uh, looking forward to being back with you next week as uh, we'll be continuing this series, Christian Atheist. Very excited about this and what God's doing. So right now, I want you to sit back, relax, hear the best. Well, let me say that again. Hear the world's... Here comes Ryan Coggins. Hope you enjoy it. at a loss for words, I guess. I, I don't know, but I'm going to take that as a compliment. But um, it is good to be with you today, and I, I enjoy the opportunity uh, to be able to preach this weekend, and I thank Pastor Aaron for that. Um, I'll tell you something that Pastor Aaron won't tell you, uh, but that I have the opportunity to, is that uh, the award that he is receiving, I, I will tell you, it, it's a big deal, especially in the, in the church world. Um, it's something that to just be recognized and honored um, by his peers is, is a very big deal. I tell you that just to let you know, man, you serve, uh, you're at a church that has a, a senior leader, and I'm not just telling you this because it's, you know, he's my boss or anything like that, but man, you do have a senior leader who's an incredible uh, leader and an incredible visionary. God has put a, a huge vision in his heart for this church in Milwaukee, and it's just fun to be a part of it, to be honest with you. And it also makes me keenly aware today that I have large shoes to fill and, uh, but I, I am confident in the Word of God uh, and the Word that He's given me to preach this weekend. And so, uh, without further ado, you can go ahead and open up to Revelation chapter 3. I'm going to get there um, in just a couple minutes. But we are in a series called Christian Atheist. And the entire premise of this series is based on the fact that many people believe in God, but live as though He does not exist. Many people believe in God, but live as though He does not exist. And um, you, you don't have to look too far to see that, uh, that prevalent in American culture. In fact, a recent Gallup poll said that 94% of Americans believe in God or a universal presence of something, you know, basically the concept of God. 94% of Americans believe in God. But I can tell you, I mean, just I don't know what percentage it is, but I can tell you not 94% of Americans uh, really live in a way uh, just a, with a reckless abandoned uh, towards, towards Christ. The Bible would say it like this in Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13, that these people come near to me with their mouths and their lips and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. This is no, no secret to God. He fully understands that there are people who will say that they believe in God, but they will live a completely uh, different type of lifestyle. Last weekend, Pastor Aaron shared about uh, the fact kind of the title of his message was, I believe in God, but I do not fear him. And he talked about just that, that wonder and that awe that we need to have when we approach a relationship with Christ. And today, the title of my message is simply this, I believe in God, but don't go overboard. Okay, I believe in God, but don't go overboard. Don't get carried away. Let's, man, I believe in God, and I, I like to, to think of myself as a good God-fearing Christian, but let's not get carried away here. Let's not get out of control. I don't want, um, you know, to be fanatical about it. And I see those, those, those Jesus freaks that people label. I don't, I, I don't want anything. I'd rather just, you know, I'll believe in God and it'll be nice and neat, and neat. 
But let's not get too uh, carried away. That right there is an issue called Christian atheism, uh, that people believe in God uh, but don't want to let him affect their everyday lives. How many of you guys thrown up recently? Puked, thrown up, upchuck. You guys are like, that's a weird transition right there. Yeah, it, it, you know, I didn't know how else to break it to you, but, uh, but throwing up to me is just disgusting. I hate it, and I tend to do it way too often, and I, I have a really weak stomach, and there, like, there's certain things like smells will just set me off. And now that I have little kids, I've just encountered some just horrific things that I don't, I mean, I, I've, 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 I've done this whole thing and had a kid vomit into my, like, it's just, it's just, I just, oh, there's some diapers that are so ungodly, it's not even funny. I just, it's just, I've, I've tried to have a little bit stronger stomach. Um, I've always been that way. I remember as a kid, I was uh, maybe six or seven years old, and my sister had this box of junior mints. How many of you guys like junior mints? I'm going to tell you why you should not like Junior Mints anymore right now. Um, junior Mints, they, she had this king-size box of Junior Mints, and I was like, man, I, I, I could go for some Junior Mints. But you know how it is with siblings, you, you never want to share with each other. It was just like this tension that was always there. It was right around Halloween. It was about this time, 20-some years ago. And so uh, I'm, I'm, I see that she has these Junior Mints, and my mom, my sister, and me were driving to the mall, and I'm thinking, if I, in, in our little wood-paneled uh, minivan, I will tell you, we were riding awesome LTD right there. But uh, we, we go to the mall, and I'm like, if I can just convince my mom to let me stay in the van. And this was before you would get arrested for doing this type of thing. Like, you could leave your kids in the van, and they just say, I'm just going to lock the doors, crack a window, and just stay low, okay? Because apparently that any kidnapper's plan is if you just kind of stay a, low, a little bit low. So, I, so my mom tells me, just stay low, you're fine. And I'm like, sweet, I am going to eat so many Junior Mints, it's going to be awesome. It was not awesome. I started eating these Junior Mints, and I, I made a, a fatal mistake um, as a kid. I ate every single one of them, okay? So uh, right when I ate all of them, I just realized um, this is going to be hard to cover up. I, 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 I don't know what I'm going to say. I should have just eaten some of them, not all of them. And um, pretty soon after that, I just had this, this feeling in my stomach, eh, not good, and um, those junior mints made a quick exit out of my mouth, all over the van. It was horrible, uh, my, my, all over our tan cloth interior. My mom comes back, and my sister comes back, and to add to that, I also get punished. So I feel horrible, I've thrown up, I have, like, throw up on me, and, and, and I'm getting yelled at. Uh, by my mom for doing that. It was just not a good day. Junior Mints are now on my banned food list. I don't know if you guys have a banned food list, but Junior Mints, lamb meatballs, I can tell you about that later, Uh, shrimp scampi from Joe's Crab Shack, not going to do it again, and also, uh, what's the last one? I got another one. Banana oatmeal, won't do it ever again. So uh, anyway, now, I'm not trying to gross you guys out today. I know, I know some of you might have already eaten. Some of you are like, this is just terrible. Because I'll tell you, I'm as queasy as anybody in this room right now just talking about these stories. Uh, I'm not trying to gross you out. Uh, but I am trying to tell you about, I want you to think about that feeling of having that, that upset, upset stomach. Because Jesus writes specifically, and he talks about it in the book of Revelation, he talks about this feeling of wanting to throw up, and he talks about it in relation to Christian atheists. 
When people believe in God, but they live as though, as though he does not exist, he refers to it in a way that says, that makes me sick to my stomach. I want to throw up from it. And so we're going to read out of Revelation chapter 3. Before we get there, one quick thing to understand about Laodicea. That's the, the, the church in Laodicea is what this passage of Scripture, that's who it was written to. That was the intended audience of it. And Jesus um, talks, he warns seven different churches in the book of Revelation. And the first six, he kind of has like a good thing to say about the church, and then he has a comment to them. He, he tells them, but, but watch out for this. He kind of warns them. The church in Laodicea, he had nothing good to say. In fact, he just, he just, all he does is warn them and tells them, the way you're living is not right. The church in Laodicea, Laodicea was a city that was extremely wealthy. Um, it had um, stadiums and shopping centers and public baths, which back, back then was actually a sign of status. And they, 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 they were an industrial, um, financial, set. I mean, they had it all going for them. They were a city that would be like, uh, to me, I picture it like a city like Las Vegas. Uh, just, just a city that has all these frills, everything that, all the bright lights and things that were ahead of the times as far as technology. And it was a city that was extremely wealthy, probably a lot like any American city, to be honest with you, just, just extremely wealthy compared to the rest of the cities in the world. And what, what had happened to the church in Laodicea is they had gotten so caught up in this wealth and this prosperity that they have started to just kind of forget about God. It, was, it wasn't like they were just completely denouncing God or they just became against God. It was just slowly but surely just began to be a little bit ho-hum about their walk with Christ. Just a little bit, you know, que sera, sera, just whatever will be, will be. Just going through the motions, and uh, they had allowed this to happen um, in their church, and Jesus warns them about it. So Revelation chapter 3, it's going to be on the screen, verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and the true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. I'm going to stop right there for a second. Because Laodicea, one thing that, that Jesus is talking about, he's talking about a cultural uh, thing that people would understand um, that he was talking about. In fact, um, everybody would totally get what he was talking about, that the, the, the city of Laodicea had a water issue. They had uh, cold water that would come from the mountains, and that was good for drinking, you know, cold water, uh, good for drinking, refreshing. It would come from the mountains, but by the time it got to the city, it would warm up and become basically room temperature. And then they had hot water that would come from these hot springs that was good for bathing and cleaning. And by the time it actually got to Laodicea, that too had become um, basically cooled off and became lukewarm room temperature uh, type water. And so they had this problem where they could never get cold water or hot water. They just had lukewarm water. And so Jesus is talking about something that they would very much understand. And he says, you're just like that lukewarm water. So much so, and he goes on in verse 16, and he says this, So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. That word spit is the Greek word ameo, and it literally can be translated as to vomit. Actually, many translations actually use the word vomit right there. He said, you're, you're, you're not good for anything right now. The way you're living life, man, I don't know about you, but you go to Starbucks, and you either get a hot beverage, or you get an iced beverage, okay? I, I don't see a lot of people that are like, why don't you just kind of mix the two, and we'll just do a lukewarm, you know, that's just not typically what you want. You, you don't want like room temperature coffee. You want either hot, hot 
a hot drink or a cold drink, but Jesus said, you guys are like a lukewarm water that you have in your city that's, that's not really good for anything. You're, you're kind of just going through the motions, kind of just doing your thing, and it makes me want to throw up. And I have to believe that Jesus, when he, when he warned the church in Laodicea, he had to be thinking, man, I died on the cross for you. Uh, I paid the ultimate penalty for your sin. And you think that, that, that just squeezing me into your schedule, that that's going to be good enough. You, you think just dusting me off occasionally, keeping me up on the top shelf and using me on occasion, that that's, that, that's going to that's gonna be good enough. And I, I, I strongly feel that Jesus oftentimes looks at uh, the Christian church. I'm not saying everybody, all, you know, by and large, I'm not here to gloom and doom, all that, but I do think there are times where he looks at it and says, I, man, that's not what I intended. When I gave my life, that's not how I intended for people to live. Just to say, man, I believe in God, but to live in a, in a lifestyle that does not back that up whatsoever. I remember in high school having a friend who, um, who I thought was on fire for Christ. And, you know, he would do, do all the right things, say all the right things, and always at church. And when I, I found out one day that kind of what he was doing behind the scenes and how he was involved in drugs and alcohol and sex, and he was living a completely different lifestyle in two different settings. And it just absolutely, I, I mean, I'll tell you, that, that literally made me sick to my stomach. And I have to think, how, how does God feel about that? When somebody says they believe one thing, but, but does a completely different thing. Lukewarm Christian, lukewarm Christianity, it's kind of, a, it's kind of an oxymoron, you know? It, it just, it, uh, it contradicts itself. You can't be a lukewarm Christian. It's kind of like jumbo shrimp, you know, which I will never eat anymore, uh, thanks to Joe's Crab Shack. But uh, it, it's an oxymoron. Government efficiency, Okay, I don't, I'm not going to draw any pictures. Microsoft works, you know, sometimes it does, sometimes, I don't know, but, um, but you can download our app on your droid if you would like, um, after the service, we do have an, a mobile app for, if, if, if you're an anti-Mac person, I'm sorry, um, I'm like the poster child right here, sorry, I got like my iPad and all that, I, I totally sold out to it, but, um, lukewarm Christianity, what does that look like? What, what is that all about? I want to, you know, the Bible says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, it says that we are to test ourselves to see if we're in the faith, that we are to examine our hearts. And so I want to take a moment today just to be able to do that right here in the service, um, to be able to see, you know, am I living the way God intended me to live? Am I, am I really on fire for Christ or am I a lukewarm Christian. I want to give you 10 things real quick. I know when a preacher says 10 things, you're kind of like, oh, uh, let's do the math on that. You're going to be here forever. It's going to go through this really quick. Don't worry. But I have a list of 10 things that describe a lukewarm Christian. And I just want you to take note, uh, just in your own mind, are there any of these things that just stick out to you? Lukewarm Christians, number one, they crave man's acceptance more than God's acceptance. Crave man's acceptance more than God's acceptance. They want to fit in they don't want to, they kind of want to fly under the radar a little bit, kind of blend in uh, with society, take the path of least resistance. Let's not get too carried away with this thing. Let's just kind of blend in. I'd rather be accepted by man and just kind of, you know, people, I want people to like me. 
I don't want to be politically incorrect, that type of thing. Even though the Bible says in Luke chapter 6, verse 26, woe to you when all men speak well of you. Number two, lukewarm Christians rarely share their faith in Christ. They rarely share their faith in Christ. They don't want to be considered a Bible thumper. You know, they don't want to be, uh, let, let people believe what they want to believe. And besides, man, I could get in trouble if, if certain people, if I begin to talk to them about my faith, especially if they're people I work with. And I just, man, I don't want to get written up. I don't want, you know, let's just, let's just keep it cool. I, I don't need to necessarily tell everybody about my faith. It works for me, but it not, might not necessarily work for everybody. And so let's not tell everybody about what I believe. Even though Matthew, uh, the book of Matthew, Jesus says, if you don't confess me before men, I will not confess you before my Father in heaven. But maybe that verse does not apply to me. Number three, lukewarm Christians will do anything to alleviate their guilt. They'll do anything to alleviate their guilt. I go to church and that kind of just helps me fill my God tank, okay? That, that, that kind of just helps me feel a little bit less guilty. And, you know, if I, if I just maybe read my Bible occasionally or if I pray over a meal or, you know, I just spent $500 on, on my daughter at, get a little power wheel for Christmas. I wanted those, one of those so bad as a kid. I never got one, but uh, I, want, I bought, just spent 500 bucks on my kid's Christmas present and I'm gonna drop five bucks in the offering uh, to feed a starving child across the world and that kind of just makes me feel a little bit better uh, about myself. Number four, lukewarm Christians think more about life on earth than eternity in heaven. They think more about life on earth than eternity in heaven, because that's what it's all about. It's about, you know, making sure that you take care. First things first, I got to take care of my, 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 my house payment and my cars, and I got to make sure I provide for my family. I got to make sure that I have everything all lined out, and I have to manage this right and that right. I got to take care of this stuff on earth. But you can tell when somebody, not that that's bad, but what you can tell when somebody has put their faith in the things of this world more than the things of Christ and more than things that are eternal because when the economy goes south, what do they do? They just freak out. They panic. It's utter chaos uh, because they have so wrapped up in the things of this world that they completely forget that they have a Father in heaven who wants to take care of every need. Even though Colossians 3, uh, 3, 3.2 says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And number five, uh, lukewarm Christians gauge their morality by comparing to others. They gauge their morality by comparing to others. And he, man, you probably heard this before. Well, I'm not as bad as that person. Man, did you hear, man, they're, they're cheating on their husband. And I know that I'm not bad. That it kind of makes you feel good about yourself because you're like, I'm not as bad as that person. And it, it's almost as if, you know, in Christianity, God has some big bell curve, you know, in heaven that as long as I stay on the, the upper half of this, uh, you know, I'll kind of make the cut. I'll be okay. Uh, and you should kind of live life in that regard. Even though, you know, Jesus warns against these types of people. In Luke chapter 18, he tells a parable and he says, the Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. Jesus actually warns against that type of thinking and says, watch out, be careful. Number six, lukewarm Christians want to be saved from sin without changing their lives. Jesus, forgive me my, my sins, but I don't intend on ever changing that if you find yourself constantly asking for forgiveness for the same thing, 
and you just have no intention of really changing it, you just know that you can, you can just keep going to God to ask for forgiveness, I'm just telling you that's, that's a sign of becoming lukewarm because the Bible actually says in Romans chapter 6, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live it any longer? Number seven, lukewarm Christians only turn to God when they're in a bind. They only turn to God when they're in a bind. And, and they will turn to God, but it's only when they're in a pinch. They say things like, I've done all I can do, so now, now I just better just pray. I guess that's all I can do now. When, when God's saying, no, 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 that, that should be the first thing. That should be the first thing that, that, that you turn to is, is, is me. Allow me to, you know, to, to, to work in and through that situation. And you relegate God to just being... Uh, you know, a tool in the toolbox that if your marriage is in trouble, you take out that God tool and apply it to it, and then you put it right back in there, close it up, and then next time you're in a bind, you go right back to that, and God just is, you only go to him when you're in a bind, sign of becoming lukewarm. Uh, Number eight, lukewarm Christians give whenever it doesn't hinder their standard of living. They give whenever it doesn't hinder their standard of living. I'll, I'll, I'll give 20 bucks every now and then, um, you know, that, that kind of goes back to that whole guilt thing. But the Bible wants me, you know, the Bible says give 10% of you, that everything you earn to the local church, to the storehouse, which is the local church. That doesn't sound um, as much fun to me. That, that, that's a little bit fanatical for me, or that, that's a little bit Old Testament for me. Even though the New Testament talks about giving everything that you own, uh, to the local church and, and is distributed as needed. Uh, I, the Old Testament 10% seems, you know, a little bit less fanatical um, than that. But man, that's just, that's a lot to ask for. That's a, you don't understand the economy, the debt that I'm in, and, and that, that would hinder my standard of living. I'm not going to go there. It's a sign of becoming lukewarm. Number nine, lukewarm Christians are not much different than the rest of the world. They talk the same. They dress the same. They, they're entertained by the same things, uh, you know, and, and they get divorced at a pretty similar rate uh, than the rest of the world. Number, number 10, the last one, lukewarm Christians want the benefits of God without conforming to him. They want, want the benefits of God without conforming to who he is. And this is really at the heart of it, to be honest with you. Uh, God, give me all that good stuff. Love, joy, peace, comfort. Give me all all that grace and forgiveness, that mercy. But don't expect me to necessarily change anything. I I don't want to go overboard with this. Don't expect me to become fanatical about it. That's a lukewarm Christian. And can I just tell you, because, I I mean, I I see some of the looks I'm, I'm getting, and I know that this is a heavy message. I know that this series is one that's kind of a little bit yeah, the, I mean, because we're talking directly to Christ followers. And, I, and this isn't like a sermon that I'm like, this is, this is fun for me to preach because I get to go just, go, yeah, let's just, let's just beat up on Christians. That's not, that's not the intention at all. And Jesus doesn't intend for it to be taken that way either in Scripture. But he warns and he says, I'm just telling you, the way you're living, just be careful. Not everybody, but the large, you know, just be careful how you're living your lives don't become lukewarm. Because I take a look at, at what the Bible describes as a on-fire Christ follower, and I, I take a look at what I see uh, in, in, in some instances in, in the Christian faith, and I see a, a large gap between the two. 
way too often. You know, the Bible says, take up your cross and follow me. I've been crucified with Christ, and yet I live. The, the Bible says, pray without ceasing. The Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. I, I mean, that, that, that seems a bit fanatical to me, but that's how I see how we're supposed to live out our lives. That's what it says in Scripture, and yet I see a lot of people just kind of going through the motions. And I'll be honest with you, there's times in my life where I've been as guilty as this as anybody in this room where I'm just like, God, I, I feel like there are times where I've become a full-time pastor and a part-time follower of you. And there's times, I'm telling you, even preparing this message, I'm just like, God, I don't want to be lukewarm. I, I don't want to just be going through the motions. I want to be on fire for you. And there's, there's areas, these 10 things that I list where I'm like, I got to be careful in this area I got to be careful that I don't allow myself to become uh, lukewarm. You know, in America, it feels like it's, it's easy to, to believe in God because it's so accepted. It's, it's just like, you know, 94% of people in America believe in God, and so it's just, it's easy to believe in God. It's almost like, it's like the socially acceptable thing is, is to believe in God, but to really live that out, as soon as you bring the Jesus thing into it, that becomes a little bit, uh, I don't know about that. That becomes a little more fanatical and born again. I don't know about that. And that gets a little bit more controversial. But man, I, 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 it seems like it's pretty easy to believe in God in America, very difficult to follow him. Because you look at other countries in the world, China, okay, where it's illegal to be a Christian. And there are, uh, you can literally be killed for being a Christian in, in, in places like China. And yet that is where the church is growing exponentially right now, where people are being converted to Christianity more than any other place in the world. And I, I wonder, why is that? And I think I know why. It's because uh, when, you, when you sign the dotted line, when you decide that you're going to become a Christ follower in a country like China, it means something. I mean, it, I'm telling you, it, you could lose your life for that. And nobody just makes a half-hearted decision to follow Christ in a place like China because, you know, I, I, you could lose your life for that. And in America, it, it's, it's awesome that we have the freedom to be able to worship, but sometimes I think that that breeds complacency and apathy because we take it for granted. And, and Jesus will forgive my sins and I can just kind of, you know, and, and there's not as much of that intense, reckless abandon that you see all throughout Scripture, especially you read through Paul I mean, he wrote half the books that he wrote just like in jail. I mean, he was constantly persecuted for his faith, and yet that's the, the Christianity that I see God wanting us to live out. As long as you have a nice marriage in America, as long as your kids don't swear and you have good church attendance, okay, then, then everything is, is good. And Jesus is telling us that that's not enough. Uh, it, it, it's more than that. It's more than just managing perception. It's about ma managing uh, reality. And the good news today uh, is that Jesus doesn't just leave us there. He doesn't just say, hey, you guys make me sick to my stomach. I'm going to puke. Peace out. Okay. He, do he doesn't just, just leave us there. In fact, he continues and he says, I'm just warning you, but I'm telling you, here are some things that you can do. If you want to stir that fire and you want to just, just grow closer to me and have that intimate relationship with me, I'm telling you, hear this warning and put it into practice. The first thing that Jesus tells us to do is real simple. He, he, just two things tonight. Uh, first thing he says is admit you're lukewarm. Admit you're lukewarm. Not to me, 
but to God. Admit that you're lukewarm. Revelation chapter 3, verse 17, continuing on, it says, You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You know, Jesus is telling this church in Laodicea, he's saying, some of you don't even know it. You don't even realize that you're, that you're living this ho-hum Christianity. Some of you don't even realize it. And today, the only thing I just, you know, that, that I, I believe, one of the things that Jesus wants us to do is simply admit it. If, 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 if you know what I'm talking about tonight, you, you're like, man, that's me. I know it. You don't have to convince me. Actually, you can stop talking about it right now because I just know it. It's something that just, I, I just know that I am not where I need to be. I know that I'm lukewarm. Jesus is saying today, just admit it. In fact, Jesus isn't even surprised by the fact that there's, that lukewarm Christianity exists. Uh, you know, you look at the parable of the sower, and he talks about four different types of soil that the seed was scattered on. Uh, you know, the, the seed that was scattered on the path, the rocky soil, the thorny soil, and the good soil. And he says only one of those soils is going to produce a harvest. Only one of those soils is going to produce fruit. He knows that there are people that think that they are in good soil, and they are not. It's not a surprise to Jesus. He's saying, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't need excuses, whatever. Just get in the good soil. Just become close to me. And we're going to give you an opportunity uh, to do that today. The second part of it is not just admit it, but to answer the door. To answer the door. We get this out of uh, just a couple verses down in verse 19 through 20. It says, Those whom I love I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. You know, Jesus loves us enough to correct us and, uh, and, and, and to rebuke us when needed. He loves us enough that he's not just going to let us keep living, uh, keep going down a certain path. You know, I love the story of the prodigal son where the son finally comes back and Jesus throws a party for him and says, I am so pumped out of my mind that you made a decision to come back. I, I want to have that relationship with you. And that's the kind of relationship that Jesus wants to have with us. In fact, the, the type of relationship that he, that he talks about here, when he talks about um, coming in and eating with us, in Jewish culture, that was an extremely intimate thing. You didn't just invite anybody to your house to come over and eat. That, that was like reserved for people that you were, you were close to, you had a close relationship with. And Jesus is saying, I want to have that type of relationship with me. And I'm not going to force myself upon you. I'm not going to just, you know, weasel my way into your, your way of life. You need to come to me. I, I'm here knocking. I'm ready. I, I'm here, you know, I'm, I'm close as the mention of my name, but you have to initiate it. And I will come in. You know, I remember a time um, in my life in high school. I, I mean, I've grown up around church my whole life, and, and I have uh, parents. I'm blessed to have parents who are uh, just incredible examples, Christ followers. And, uh, you know, I've always grown up being, you know, believing in God and, and knowing about Him and even inviting Him in, into my life. But I remember a time in high school where it was just like, I'm just lukewarm. It wasn't that I, was, that I got some crazy story, prodigal son type story or, or whatever. I mean, I, I, man, I was generally a pretty good kid. But I just began, began to be just a little bit like, you know, just going through the motions. 
just kind of like, you're just doing the thing, you know, just, you go to church, and then, you know, you just kind of do that routine. And I remember God challenging me, and um, kind of just bringing me to my knees, and I just remember crying out to God. It heard a message pretty similar to this, and just said, God, I, I do not want to live that kind of life. I want to be close to you. I want to have that relationship with you. And I will tell you, I will warn you, that when you pray that prayer, and you really mean it, that it will, it will wreck you. Uh, I, I'm just going to tell you, it will maybe mess up your way of life a little bit. And for me, I had this idea of what I wanted to do, and I was about to graduate high school, and I wanted to go do this and that, and, 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 and whatever. I had this plan, and God just completely shattered that and just said, Ryan, here's what you're going to do. And, this, and, and I had a, a calling into ministry, and there's more to it, but um, it completely changed <laughs> uh, my life. And I just said, God, I'm going to walk this thing out with integrity as best I can, and I'm going to be close to you. Not to say there haven't been times where God has had to, to come back to me and, and warn me and say, hey, watch out here. You need to get back you know, in line here. And there's been times, man, I just dropped the ball totally. And one of these 10 things I'm totally guilty of, but I just keep saying, God, I want that relationship. It's not just... Um, it's not just enough just to, to go to church and to believe in God and, and kind of, I mean, honestly, if you just, even logically, that's just kind of pointless to just have this routine that you do to, um, to make yourself feel a little bit better. But it, it, it's, it's about having that relationship and allow God uh, to be close to you. You know, uh, today I would just simply challenge you I know that this has been kind of one of those tough messages. In fact, I, I battled this all week long. Just how do, how do I, uh, you know, how do I convey this as as, uh, as best I can? Because this is just a tough, a tough, tough message. But today, today I challenge us to be filled, to, to, for Life Church to be filled with people who are close to Jesus Christ, to be filled with with people who are on fire for Jesus Christ. And I don't, I don't think there's a Christ follower in here that is completely omitted from this conversation. Maybe it's like, no, I'm not doing any of those 10 things, but I'm, I just, I got to be careful. I, I think there's always time for correction. I think there's always time to grow closer to God. You know, we're supposed to stand out as a church. In fact, the book of Matthew chapter 5 says this, You are the light of the world. A town built on a, on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, I think it's, it's time for us to stand out. You know, we're, we're different. I'm just going to tell you when, you, when you become a Christ follower, you are different. You're different. It's just, you can't hide that. You can't just say, I'm just going to blend in. I'm just going to, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, that you're weird and wacky, but I'm saying that you're different. I mean, being a Christ follower distinguishes you. And there, there are certain things that you don't do and the certain things that you do because that you are a Christ follower, because you have Jesus living inside of you. And I want to challenge you to do that today. Let's pray. I think there's a, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I think there's a couple of groups of people that I, I want to at least give an opportunity to today. And I'm not going to ask anybody to come up front or I'm not, I, I don't, uh, I'm not planning on embarrassing anybody here today. 
There's a first group of people that you, maybe you don't have a relationship with Christ at all. And you just, man, you know that you just need to begin that relationship with him. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that in just a minute. But there's another group of people that you just think, man, I'm just not as close to Christ as I, as I need to be. And when, Ryan, when you read that list of, of, of things that describe a lukewarm Christian, I'll be honest with you and admit it that, man, I think I might be lukewarm. There's a few of those things that you said that just really ring true in my life. If you're that, that group of people that you just say, I have a relationship with Christ, but I'm just maybe lukewarm. I just want to pray with you today. Again, I'm not going to call you up front or anything. I just want to pray with you. Would you just slip up your hands? West Campus, too, if you, you say, it, man, Ryan, that's me. Let's just slip up your hands. Yes, I see hands all over the place tonight. Thank you. I just want to give you a minute, and I know that this, for some of you, this might be a little unorthodox, a little awkward, um, but I, I don't feel like I can pray a prayer for you. If you know God, if you have a relationship with Him, I want you right now, right where you are, if you raise your hand, just to begin praying to God, just asking God, admitting that you're lukewarm, but asking God to come in and have an intimate relationship with you, just right where you are. If you need to make an altar out of your chair and you need to get on your knees before God, if you just want to sit there and pray, I just, just pray right where you are, right where you are tonight. There's another group of people, and with your head bowed and eye closed, um, I, I, I can't preach a message like, the, like this without giving an opportunity. Um, that if you just say, Ryan, quite frankly, I've never even given my life to Christ. I, I maybe believe in God, and I've um, gone through the motions, but I just don't have that relationship with Him. And I want to begin that relationship with Jesus today. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand just right where you are? Just slip it up just so I can see it, and you can slip it right back down. Yes, slip up a hand and say, that's me. I just want that relationship with Christ. Yes, yes. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouths and we believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, that we will be saved. And so when we pray a prayer together, it's not just some ritual or it's not just some, you know, just magic formula. But the Bible says that if you pray, uh, if you pray and ask God into your life, that he will do it and he will change you and he will completely radically change you. That any man who's in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So out of just... just Lend your voice with those who raise their hands tonight and repeat this prayer after me, everybody in here today. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you. I ask you to wash me clean of my sin, come into my life and be my savior. You're knocking on the door of my heart and today I answer the door. Amen. Amen.
Can we just give a big round of applause to those who raise their hand?